Well, good morning, High Life. Um, welcome to another broadcast. It's such a great day to be alive. I'm so thankful uh, for God's grace and mercy that's extended to all of us. I trust you're all doing well. Um, did you enjoy our uh, gathering uh, last Sunday? Was it not fantastic? Thank God for the fellowship of the Spirit uh, whenever we gather together. God is so good. Well, we're going to get into the word this morning. I'd like us all to bow our heads together as we pray. Holy Father, we're so thankful uh, because we're in you and you are in us. Uh, Lord, we thank you because the glory that you gave Jesus, um, he has given to us. That we may be one, even as you and the Son are one. That we may be one in you and one with one another. So Lord, as we, as we spend a few moments in the word, we ask for a dispensation of light. We ask that the Spirit will come. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, you're already here. You're already within us. But we ask you to rise as the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. We ask you to open the eyes of our hearts, that our eyes will be flooded with light, that our hearts will be flooded with light. For we desire you. We desire transformation. We desire, O oh God, that we be conformed to your image, even as you ordained before the foundation of the world. Heavenly Father, help us through your Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've spent um, a couple of weeks um, examining um, the subject, building uh, a people of distinction. Building a people of distinction. And in all our house churches, we continue to explore this, pro, uh, this important subject. Um, you know, as I said last week, uh, teaching is not about covering material, but uh, about our uncovering material. So even though new material is coming out, even though we're teaching new things, um, your house church pastor would, uh, by the Spirit, uh, dictate the pace with which we go through these things. Because it is important that we understand uh, that our lives may be truly transformed. So we have examined the fact that we are ordained to be a people of distinction. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And it is in our maturity that our distinction is really maximized. And it is through our maturity that we can be the transformative agents that God has called us to be. So we're going to start examining that in a little bit more detail this morning. You know, the wisdom of God is multifaceted. It's like a, a, a many-layered onion. As we, as we unpeel one layer, we see another layer. and We're going deeper and deeper into the sun. So um, we're going to start looking at this in a bit more detail. It might take us a year or two to go through it, but, but we are going to take our time. You know, as a people of distinction, as the light of the world and the salt of the earth, as the hope of the world, because that's what the light of the world means. It didn't say you are a light. It didn't say you are a salt. It says you are the light and the salt. It means that the mature saint is the only hope that the world has. Yes, um, the hope of the world is Christ, but Christ is in us. Hallelujah. He, he is in us. And therefore, we are the only hope that the world has to actually encounter Christ. And, and that hope, that distinction, that light is demonstrated in our maturity. Now, as we mature, I believe that the, the, the seat of maturity uh, stands on three legs. It stands on three legs. Uh, um, uh, and this may not be exhaustive, but this is what I see. 
It's like a tripod that provides stability uh, to the camera that is being used right now. It, it sits on three legs. And I believe that the seat of maturity sits on, on the legs of the, the maturity of the character of Christ. The character of Christ. Meaning, um, as we mature in the character of Christ and display the character of Christ, then um, we grow in our distinction. The character of Christ is one leg of the tripod. The other leg of the tripod is the presence of Christ. The presence of Christ. As the, the, the Spirit of God or the presence of Christ is manifested through us, um, we, uh, we grow in maturity. It is not just about character, it's also about presence. Um, which is more important than the other? Well, you tell me which leg on the, on the tripod is more important than the other. When one leg is out of line or one leg is not present, everything topples over. Okay, So you can't have character without presence or presence without character and be a mature saint. And fulfill God's mandate on your life to be salt and light. But those are just two legs of the tripod. The third leg of the tripod is the government of Christ. The government of Christ. The Bible says that of the increase um, of his, uh, his government and peace, there will be no end. So as we grow in maturity, as we grow in Christ, we'll grow in a demonstration of his character. We'll grow in a demonstration of his presence. And his government will be manifested through our lives. One doesn't work without the other. One is not complete without the other. You don't need to choose. Why choose? Because um, it takes the three to be truly the salt and the light he has called us to be. You know, so this is what we want to build in our spiritual lives. You know, a, a spiritual life can be intentionally built. You know, in 1 Peter 2.5, um, the, the Bible says that we all, as living stones, have been built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God. Paul, uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, speaking about himself, said he's acted as a master builder, and he has laid a foundation. Uh, and everyone should be careful how they build on that foundation. So you can intentionally build. Um, and I believe that um, as we catch a picture of the purpose of God in our lives, we can be intentional about what we build. You know, um, speaking about the Tower of Babel, um, the people of the earth built a structure that uh, they wanted to build in the heavens. This was a, a structure that was made, made out of self-ambition. Uh, and the Lord came down and inspected what they had built. And he confused their language. But in the kingdom of life, you can build a structure. You know, last week or two weeks ago, we looked at uh, briefly uh, the life of Noah and the life of Job. How through their lives, they built something which was spiritual in its content. They built something that influenced the world. That, that changed, as it were, the destiny of the world. Noah built something that preserved the world from total destruction. Job built something that caused there to be um, um, uh, uh, discussions about him in the realm of the heaven. So you can intentionally build. And, and right now we are building something that we know is God's purpose for our lives. 
He has called us to be a people of distinction, uh, to be the light and the salt. Um, and this, this, this um, build, I believe, is based on three legs. The leg of character, the character of Christ, the presence of Christ, and the government of Christ. So in the days ahead, we're going to ex examine this in a lot more detail. But today, we're going to start talking about the character of Christ. The character of Christ. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 29. If you're looking for a memory verse, this will be our memory verse for today. Verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, with that we may be the firstborn, that he may be the firstborn amongst many brethren. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, the firstborn, the firstborn among many brethren. You know, it's important to understand that this journey that we're on is not coincidental. This journey that we're on is not coincidental. Um, in, in the book of um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible speaks about God choosing us in him before the foundation of the world. Your journey, your life is not coincidental. The path you're on is not coincidental. The Bible says he predestined, which means he has pre-planned your destination. He has pre-planned your destination. Now, it doesn't mean you'll get there, but it means that you can get there. It means that a plan has already been put in place. And if you and I will align to that plan, everything we need to get to our destination has already been provided. Okay, so it says that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. You know, I believe it was Miles Moreau that made the statement that if you do not know the purpose of a thing, you will abuse it. Okay, so it is important that we know the purpose of our lives in order that we will align ourselves with its purpose and therefore maximize in terms of our expression. It says God pre-planned that you and I will be conformed to the image of his son. Now, of course, we know who we're talking about. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The word son is a word, is the Greek word huios, which actually speaks about a mature son. So he ordained and pre-planned for us to be conformed to the image of his son, his son in full maturity. A mature son, that his son, that's the mature son, may just be the firstborn among many brothers. You know, in the Passion Translation of the same passage, it puts it this way. It says, for he knew all about us. Yes, he's talking about you. He says he knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning. To share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. I like that last sentence. Who will become just like him. So he has pre 
plan for us to be like the son in his likeness so that his son will be like the, the oldest among many brothers and sisters who will become just like him. So here we see again, implicit in the verse, is the understanding that this is God's plan for our lives. And also implicit is the expectation of growth to a place of maturity, which is to be like the sun. Now, there are two Greek words that I'm going to introduce to you in this teaching. Uh, and the first one is the word morphe or morpho. Let's just say morphe. Everyone say morphe, morphe. Now, you see, the word conformed there is the Greek word sum morpho or sum morphe. Okay? Sum is the word for with, and morphe speaks about expression. So, when the Bible says that God has ordained or pre planned for us, to be conformed to the image of his son, what he's saying is that we will be like the son, we will be one with the son in expression. Meaning we will fully express the characteristics of a mature son, of the mature son. Fully express his wisdom, fully express his understanding, fully express his virtues, everything that Galatians 5 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit are the expression of the character of God. Now, God has pre-planned for you to fully express the mature character of the Son of God. Uh, that fruit on the inside has been ordained to mature. It has been ordained to be fully fruitful so others will eat of it and enjoy the fruit of your life. Now we're going to examine that process. The word morphe speaks about expression. It speaks about an expression that is aligned with an inward nature. An expression that is aligned with an inward nature. You know, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the beginning part of verse 18 says, all things are of God. You know, when we come into Christ, when you get born again, the Bible says you become a new creation. And we've learned a few months ago that the word uh, new is the Greek word kainos, which means new in nature and essence, and that which is superior to the old. So it is not a refurbished um, person, it's a new creation, a new species that has never existed before. It says when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Um, you are new in nature and essence. And that newness is much more superior to the old. We saw in 1 John chapter 3, when John the Epistle verse 1 was speaking, he said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. 
Therefore the world does not know us because they did not know him. Beloved, now we are. Now we are. We are. We are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It says, now we are the children of God. We know the word children is the Greek word technon, which speaks about one that was born by him. We have his nature. We have his DNA. Hallelujah. Um, We are one with him. So when you are in Christ, you become a new creation. The reason why we can become like him is that we have his nature. The reason why we can become like him is because we have his nature. You cannot become like the Lord if you don't have his nature. And that is why it all begins by being in Christ. This journey begins by being in Christ. Because once you are in Christ, once you believe into Christ, the Bible says that that encounter transforms you and you become a new species of being that's never existed before. And therefore, you are now a child of God by birth. Not a child of God by decision, but a child of God by birth. Hallelujah. You cannot decide to become a child of God. You can decide to accept what Jesus has done. And when you receive Christ, you become a child of God by nature. And have the capacity to grow into him and fully become like him in expression. You see, when we talk about um, uh, becoming like him or being or, or being like him in expression, it all begins with the foundation of the fact that we have his nature now. Do you believe you have his nature? Do you have his nature? If you have his nature, then if that nature is expressed, it will look exactly like the sun. There'll be no way of distinguishing you, be, distinguishing between you and the sun because it's the same nature. And that's why the Bible says in John chapter 5 verse 24, Jesus said most assuredly, he said most assuredly, most emphatically, most truly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. You see, there was something greatly spiritual that happened when you gave your life to Christ. The Bible says you passed from death to life. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, it says this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. You see, eternal life is not living forever. Any being, any human being created by God is going to live forever. Because you have the nature of God. You are a spirit being. So you are going to exist forever. A spirit being can never die. Okay? It's an immortal being. You will never die. Okay? As far as ceasing to exist. But eternal life is the nature of God. It's the quality of life that God lives. It is the very nature of God from which springs all the characteristics of God. Now the Bible says that the person that has received Christ has passed from death to life. The person that has received Christ 
already has eternal life. Jesus said, the thief comes, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life, and have life more abundantly. He says, he that has the Son already has this life. So, if you are in Christ, you already have this life. If you are not in Christ, you do not have this life. And you can never demonstrate the characteristics of that life. However, he who is in the Son already has this life. If you are not in Christ, then we are. We have the life of God in us. And it is because we have the life of God in us that we can become like him in expression. And that's why the word sumofao is so important. Because it's saying that God's plan is that you will be conformed to the image of his son or you will be one with his son in expression. And the reason why you can be one with his son in expression, such that your operation will be exactly like that of Christ, is because you have the same nature that Christ has in him. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is where we introduce in the second word to you. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In order to demonstrate and fulfill the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. In order to manifest that which God has pre-planned for you and I. The Bible says we shall not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It is only through the renewing of our minds or this transformation that we will not be conformed and we will fulfill that which God has ordained for us. Now, let us look at this word conformed. We saw a similar word earlier in Romans 8.29 that God has called us to be conformed to the image of his son, to be one with his son in expression. Now, if we see the word conformed here, it's, looks, it's the same word, but in the Greek, it is actually a very different word, okay? And um, because of the limitation of the English language, the only word we have to express this in English in one word is the word conformed. So you'll be right to assume it's the same word, but it is a totally different word. It's like the difference between light and darkness. Now, while the word in Romans 8.29 is the Greek word sumofao, uh, the word here is, is sun schematizo. Sun schematizo. And, and, and sun schematizo means literally this, uh, soon is with, but schematizo speaks about shape, shape, not expression, shape. It's like taking up a shape that is imposed by an external source, not an internal nature. Taking up a shape that is imposed by an external source, not the internal nature. You know, soon uh, uh, soon uh, um, mofao speaks about one with in expression, expressing fully that which you are. Soon schematizo speaks about 
taking a shape that has nothing to do with who you are internally. It's taking a shape that is, is imposed by an external source. Not being who you are. Taking a character that is not in line with your inward nature. Let us read the same passage from um, the New Living Translation. Romans 12 verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you would learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So, Sun uh, Mofao speaks about being one in expression. Um, but Sun Skematitsu is speaking about don't let the world squeeze you into a mode of behavior that is out of line with who you truly are. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says the same thing. It says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. That word conforming again is soon schematizo. It's saying, you know, your life has changed. You have a new nature now. Okay, so let your external behavior be conformed to your new nature. Going back to your former lusts and your former way of behavior is, is conforming to a behavior that is out of line with your nature. In the old days, that was your nature. You were doing what came from the inside. The Bible says that we were by nature the children of wrath. But right now, we are by nature the children of God. So it's saying, don't go back to the former way of behaving. That is not that is that is um, masquerading who you really are, because that's the word. That's what the word um, um, uh, schematizo actually speaks about. It's like like being a masquerade, like being a masquerade, um, like like be taking on a form that is out of line with who you truly are, and that's what Satan does. Satan. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, uh, verses 13 to 15, Paul says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into, into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. In other words, it's saying that Satan transforms himself. That word transforms is also schematizo, meta schematizo, where you are changing your shape um, to, to reflect something that is not who you are. In fact, in the New Living Translation, it, it, instead of the word transforming, it says they disguise themselves. They disguise themselves. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He comes as a wolf, but he wears sheep's clothing. Okay? So, Schematizo speaks about masquerading. Masquerading. Um, masquerading and, and, and trying to exhibit something that is out of line with who you truly are. And that's why Paul, in speaking to us, in, in, in Romans chapter 12, says... We should not masquerade like the world. Uh, don't masquerade like the world. Because there is a nature that is on the inside of you. That is the nature of Christ himself. 
Okay, he says that we should allow our expression to be in line with our inward nature. He says, don't be conformed with the world, but be transformed. That word transformed is metamorpho, metamorpho. Let your form change. Let your form change. Not pretending to be like somebody else, but let your form change to reflect what is truly on the inside of you. For us who are in Christ, Romans 12 shows us that there is still a transformation required. A metamorphosis required. A change of the outside. A change of our behavior. A change of our attitudes to align with the nature that is on the inside of us. The transformation must take place if we are to fulfill our mandate. Because remember that Romans 8.29 says that he has preplanned for us to be one with the Son in full mature expression. That is our destiny. Okay, Our destiny, our, our mandate will not be fulfilled until that transformation takes place. So he says, don't let the world squeeze you into your, its, its own mold, into its way of thinking and its way of behaving, because that's not who you are. Allow transformation to take place. And he says that transformation will take place by the renewing of our minds. Again, the word transform there is metamorpho, metamorpho. Not metaschematizo, like the devil transforms himself, makes everyone think that he's light when he's actually darkness. Metamorpho speaks about a transformation, a change in expression that brings your life in conformity to who you truly are. So how does this transformation take place? Because one leg of the tripod um, is the leg of the character of Christ. We must exhibit the character of Christ. But we can only exhibit the character because we have his nature. Hallelujah. But how does this transformation take place? Uh, because we need this transformation to take place for us to fulfill our destiny. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3 18 says, but we are with unveiled face. Beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into his image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all, we all. This is for all of us. You know, when you read 2 Corinthians 3, you will see that the Apostle Paul is drawing a parallel or is contrasting the two covenants. He's contrasting the Old Testament with the New Testament. And he was saying, essentially, that the New Testament is a testament that is meant to replace the Old Testament, okay? Because the Old Testament um, was a, 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 a testament that was to demonstrate our need for Christ. And Christ came in the New Testament to fulfill that need. Uh, so it was as though the, the Old Testament was the New Testament concealed. So in types and shadows, it pointed to the need of uh, a glory that was coming in the days ahead. And he used glory as a way of, um, of illustrating the difference between both covenants. Now, glory speaks about the, the character of God, the nature of God, the expression of his nature. 
And, and he was saying that there was an incident that happened in the life of Moses when he went to receive the, um, the Old Testament from the Lord on Mount Sinai. He stood before the Lord um, for 40 days and 40 nights. And he came down, the Lord wrote the testament with his own finger, wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone with his own finger. And when Moses came down, the Bible says that his face began to shine. He began to shine. His face began to shine. As a result of being in the presence of God, the glory of God that he beheld was transferred into his life. Okay? And his face shone. As a matter of fact, you can read this in Exodus 34. Uh, if you look at Exodus 34, verse 29, let's read that very quickly. It says, Now it was, it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down uh, from the mountain, that Moses did not know. Everyone said, did not know. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, so they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them... Um, as commandments all of the Lord uh, had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses, Moses had finished speaking with them, he put, on, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak to him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he would come out to speak to the children of Israel, um, whatever he had commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of his face shone, then Moses put the veil on his face again until... He went in to speak with them. Now, what Paul was trying to illustrate here was that the glory on the face of Moses was the glory of the Old Testament. And, you know, after a while, the glory on his face shone, uh, faded away. And he was trying to illustrate that in like manner, the glory of the Old Testament was going to be replaced by a surpassing glory which is the glory of the New Testament, okay? And that's what he's illustrating um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But in verse 18, he, he begins to speak about how we are transformed to reflect or express the glory of the New Testament, which is the glory of the full manifestation of the character of Christ. He says that we are with unveiled face, as we behold in a glass the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, there is a principle here which Moses experienced, and you and I will experience as well, that holds the secret to our transformation. You see, in the Old Testament, what Moses did was he beheld the glory of God which was the glory of the Old Testament. And that glory was transferred to his face. And the Bible makes a statement that Moses did not know that a transformation had taken place. Moses did not know that a transformation had taken place. But it was when he began to interact with people that he realized how different he had become. 
Moses was not trying to change himself. He was transformed as he beheld the glory of God. Now, that is an external glory. That was a glory of the Old Testament which has passed away. But the principle remains the same. And that's the principle that um, uh, Paul is bringing out here in verse 18. He says, we all. Remember, Moses was the only one that could go up to behold God. But we all now, in Christ, having his nature, can all behold him. He says, as we continue to behold the glory of the Lord. The King James says, as we continue to behold in the word of God, the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, that word change there is the Greek word metamorpho. Metamorpho. There is a change that takes place. It is a change not of form, but it's a change of expression. As we behold in the word the glory of the Lord, and as we continue to behold in the word the glory of the Lord, something begins to happen. A bit like what happened with Moses that he did not realize. Your form or your expression begins to change the nature of god on the inside of you begins to break out through your external form through your character and behavior to the extent that others will begin to see it things about you will begin to change um that you are not even aware of it is others i will point out to the fact that oh this is changing about you. You used to be this before, and now you are this now. So the principle that Moses experienced, the principle that Paul was trying to communicate, is the principle that glory beheld is glory revealed, and glory revealed always transforms. Glory beheld, as we continue to behold glory, that glory be revealed to us, and once that glory is revealed, that glory begins to change us. And by change, it begins to cause that nature on the inside to break out on the outside. Okay? Glory beheld is glory revealed, and glory revealed always transforms. So what's the secret of transformation? I would say that there are four steps to the transformation of character. And we are uh, going to continue to explore these steps. So the four steps to transformation are these. Number one, transformation into his image is only possible because we have his nature. You see, this, this fact must be established in our hearts. Do you have his nature or do you not? Are you in Christ or are you not? If you are in Christ, then the Bible says that there's a kindness nature that is on the inside of you. The very nature of God himself. It's called Zoe, the life of God, the life of God, the life of God is in you. And therefore, you can be transformed into his image. Transformation is only possible because you have his nature. That's number one, key to transformation. Number two, transformation is by the Spirit. Transformation is by the Spirit. You know, all transformation happens from the inside out. All transformation happens from the inside out, okay? Transformation is by the Spirit. We have His nature, but it is only through the Spirit 
that that nature on the inside, our form will change, and that nature on the inside will come out in full expression. So that's number two. Transformation is by the Spirit. Number three, transformation happens. Transformation happens as we fix our gaze upon Him. Transformation happens as we fix our gaze upon Him. You know, the Bible says in Philemon 6, that the communication of our faith, the communication of our faith will become effective as we acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ. Fixing our gaze upon him is focusing on who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. Is examining the new creation. Examining the characteristics of the new creation. And aligning ourselves, accepting who we are in Christ, accepting the revelation of who the Word of God says we are. Okay? If we have the nature of Christ, then as we, as we acknowledge that, then we expect our lives to demonstrate His nature. Uh, no longer will we say, it is my nature to be angry. No, it's not your nature to be angry because you, you have the nature of Christ. So as we acknowledge every good thing we have in Christ, that is when transformation begins to take place. As we fix our gaze upon him, fixing our gaze upon him is fixing our gaze on who he is and who we are in him. Everything God is, you are. Every communicable, communicable attribute of God that he has, you have because you have his nature. Just like a parent that gives birth to a child, the child has the full nature of a parent, we must begin to acknowledge the fact, irrespective of how our lives look, we must begin to acknowledge the fact that every good thing in Christ is in us. Okay? So transformation happens as we fix our gaze upon him. In fact, the only doing word there. The only verb in 2 Corinthians 3.18 is beholding, 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 transformation. You can't transform yourself. Transformation is something that the Spirit does. Just like Moses could not put the glory of God on his own face. No, that was something that the Spirit transmitted. But the only thing that Moses did to effect that transformation was he continued to behold God. He continued to behold the nature of God. As you continue to behold the nature of God and, and acknowledge that every nature in God, every nature in Christ is the same nature in you, you give the Holy Spirit material that he will use to transform your life, to begin to conform or transform you and transform your expression as your mind is renewed to who you are in Christ. Find human six. The communication of your faith will be effectual as you acknowledge. The acknowledgement is not just merely confessing. The acknowledging is believing, is recognizing, is aligning with the truth of the word and, and seeing yourself in the truth of that word. That is number three. Transformation happens as we fix our gaze upon him. Now, number four is actually drawn from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, the Bible says, But reject 
profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Uh, the New Living Translation says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself, train yourself to be godly. You know, in Hebrews 5.14 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. So step four to transformation is exercise godliness from that place of understanding. Exercise godliness from that place of understanding. Now, those words are very important, okay? You cannot exercise godliness without understanding, meaning it is not just about practicing to behave well. It is about understanding who you are and acknowledging who you are and from that understanding, taking actions of faith, okay? That is the process of transformation. You know, again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that word, we are transformed by the Spirit. We behold in the glass the glory of God and we are transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. That word metamorpho is the Greek word from which we get the English word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis speaks about the change of expression and we see different um, um, insects, for instance, like the... the, the um, the caterpillar becomes a butterfly through metamorphosis. Through metamorphosis, it, it doesn't change. It doesn't merely change form. Its external form changes in line with its internal nature. Okay. Now, a, a, a caterpillar and a butterfly look very different from each other. But the process of transformation is the process of metamorphosis, and we all know how that process takes place. Um, it transforms from the caterpillar to uh, the chrysalis and then from the chrysalis to the butterfly. Now, a caterpillar to become a butterfly just does several things. Number one, it just feeds, okay? It feeds and does what caterpillars do. But a, a, a caterpillar eats a lot. It eats a lot of leaves um, and it feeds and feeds and feeds and feeds and feeds and feeds. But you know, even though a caterpillar and a butterfly look very different from each other, they have the same life, okay? And all that happened as a result of feeding was that its whole external form was changed to conform to its internal nature, okay? Its internal nature was to fly, but its current external form as a caterpillar was to just crawl and eat. The, its internal nature was beautiful, but its current... Um, external form as a caterpillar is actually very ugly, irrespective of how people consider caterpillars to be beautiful sometimes. But butterflies are beautiful. They are beautiful creatures. But the process of transformation is an internal process. That process happened from the inside out. From the inside out. A caterpillar cannot make itself a butterfly. A caterpillar has to submit to the process of Transformation of transformation. You see, godliness uh, and um, uh, and the the the, ex, the the practice or the exhibition 
of the godliness or, or the character of Christ only comes as we feed on his nature, as we focus on his nature, and we practice from that place of understanding. You know, it would be quite ironic to see a butterfly or, or a caterpillar trying to fly. And I need to say this so that we understand what exercising godliness is. It would be quite sad to see a caterpillar jumping off leaves and trying to fly and saying it's exercising itself. You can't exercise, you can't become a butterfly by trying to fly. You become a butterfly by feeding, by feeding and focusing on the nature on the inside of you. That's how change happens. You can't make yourself change. You can't make yourself behave better. No, you behave better as your body begins on your mind begins to conform to the revelation of who you have seen yourself to be. Transformation is the process of glory revealed. Glory beheld is glory revealed. And then glory revealed becomes a transformative power. A caterpillar may know its destiny. But it does not become its destiny merely by practicing. It becomes its destiny by feeding and exercising itself in what it has fed. Yeah, The power to transform comes from feeding. The other thing we, we, that would be considered ironic is if a caterpillar, knowing that its destiny is to fly, is seen a caterpillar clipping on wings on itself and trying to pretend like it can fly. There's no Greek word for that. Recognizing what you need to be, but bypassing the process uh, for achieving it, only to pretend to express what you haven't achieved. I'll say that again. There's no Greek word for that. I haven't discovered one yet. Uh, the only word we have, the only words we have, to speak about where you are expressing in nature that you are, um, and words for trying to pretend to be something else. But here we have a situation where you have a nature, you know your destiny. But you are bypassing the process of expression only to pretend to express what you haven't achieved. That is, in other words, in colloquial language called packaging. You are trying to pretend to be something you are not. That is not what exercising in godliness is. Exercising yourself in godliness is feeding on the word, acknowledging who you are in Christ, feeding on the nature of Christ, and from that place of understanding, operating by faith operating by faith and beginning to exercise yourself in that. Hallelujah. I walk in love because the nature of love is on the inside of me. Myself and Christ are one. The Bible says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And therefore, if I'm one spirit with him, then I have his nature. And if God is love, then I am love. And then I begin to look at the characteristics of love. And then I begin to acknowledge who I am in Christ. And as I begin to feed on that... I, 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 something happens on the inside. The Spirit of God begins to energize me in the area of the characteristics of love. And I begin to produce those characteristics on the inside of me. And I begin to walk in that light that I have received. Hallelujah. You cannot walk in light you haven't received. If you're trying to walk in something you haven't received, then it is pretending. Um, the Bible says that what is, whatever is not done of faith is sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.